All right, welcome back here on Locals of Legends Wrestling Radio. And today I am joined by a legend in professional wrestling, none other than Dr. Tom Pritchard. Dr. Tom, how are we doing today, sir? Doing tremendous. How about you? Doing great, man, doing great. Uh, you're a busy man these days. Stuff coming up, stuff coming up and uh, we're going to cover a lot of it uh, today during the interview and plug a lot of things. Um but first, I thought here in the early part of the interview, we would go right into uh, the Dr. Tom Pritchard's Future Wrestling Legends Training Camp, uh, which is a, tra- a four-day training camp you do over in Charlotte as a part of the uh, Legends Fan Fest over there. And I was there last year, and uh seemed like quite an opportunity for young wrestlers to get you know the extended training camp experience more so than the usual you know one-day or even two-day training camps that you see across the country? Well, I think this year especially is going to be a great opportunity for a lot of the uh, young, upcoming, independent uh, wrestlers and even those who don't have any experience whatsoever to come in and just check things out. You can uh, be an observer and uh, find out everything you need to know about that at nwalegends.com. But let me tell you a little bit about uh, who we have coming. Uh, along with myself, Gerald Briscoe, and Les Thatcher, who, who we were all there last year, and I also have Nigel McGinnis and Lance Storm coming in as guest trainers. So this is four days of getting an opportunity to pick everybody's brain. And between uh, Gerald, myself, Les, Nigel, Lance, uh, you might be looking at close to over 150 years, maybe even 200 years of uh, experience in the business. So uh, we've seen a lot. We've, we've heard a lot. And uh, Jerry especially is still scouting for NWE, for WWE. And uh, anything you want to know about getting into WWE or just getting a head up, a leg up, if you will, in the business, uh, I would be in Charlotte from July 31st to uh, August 3rd this year. It'll be a great camp. We're going to change things up from last year a little bit and uh, give everybody an opportunity to be seen and uh, show their stuff. So so I, I know that uh, slots are going fast and there's still a few available, but uh, contact Greg Price at nwalegends.com to reserve your spot now. I guarantee you won't, won't regret it. Yeah, absolutely. I, that's why I heard from Greg that the spots were filling up pretty quick. So anybody that's here in this that wants to take part in it, uh, you, you better act fast because they're not going to still be here come July. Um, and, and also, let me just touch on this real, real quick, Gene. Uh, I mean, the, let, the fan fest alone, uh, let me just say, for anyone, even if you don't want to uh, participate in the camp per se, but the, the Legends Fan Fest has always been a great, great draw. And uh, I, I would suggest that if you're a wrestling fan, and you haven't been to one of these yet, this is the time to do it. And you never know who's going to show up. I know the, the list hasn't uh, been out yet, the list of names. But but it's going to be a great, great time. And last year was pretty cool. I've been to a couple before. But, um, uh, again, it, it's an opportunity for everybody to get together and everybody uh, is kind of loose, laid back. And, and you can talk to your favorites from, uh, from long ago. And some current favorites, too, will be there, I'm sure. It's a very unique experience, even even in comparison to their conventions and, and fan fests that have popped up since this one started. Um, like you said, I, I feel personally it's a lot more laid back and and uh, I don't know. There's a lot more room for interaction than many of the other ones. Uh, for instance, 
There's the Hall of Heroes dinner. Uh, last year, my wife and I had uh, dinner with one uh, Tom Pritchard at the Hall of Hall of Heroes dinner, which was uh, quite a quite a fun experience. Well, yeah, I mean, and it is it's, it's kind of cool because we enjoy it too. We enjoy it to see what the, everybody's thinking and having a good time, and uh, uh, it, it's a whole ambiance, if you will, of, of just being involved and, and getting getting an opportunity to. Uh, um, to see your our childhood heroes too. I mean, all of us in the camp, uh, you know, Les had a hero. I had a hero. Gerald Briscoe's hero was Danny Hodge, and uh, so I mean, um, we know what it's like to be fans, and and for us to sit with with other fans, because I still consider myself a fan. It, it's it's really a great job. It's it's a great thing to be able to do to sit with people who appreciate what professional wrestling was and is. Um, and uh, have a great time watching and listening and uh, watching the heroes be be honored, and I'm looking forward to it again this year. So last year we had a great dinner, didn't we? I mean, it was uh, pretty good. Absolutely. That's why I would, I would suggest anybody right now, get your tickets now and uh, check out the, the Hall of Heroes and get tickets for that as well as the Patent Fest because it's, it's well, well worth it. So you know you you have a great career as a as a wrestler, but you've also become perhaps even just as much, if not more, synonymous with with being a, a trainer of, of upcoming professional wrestlers and trainer to the stars with with all the guys that you've trained that have gone on to do big things in wrestling. But um, people are so negative these days, be it. Uh, you know the the wrestlers themselves, the older guys, and even just fans are so cynical. Uh, with you having the opportunity to work with so many young wrestlers and all these seminars and training camps that you do, and some that make it and some that may never step in a ring again after that seminar, what is your take on uh, the current crop of, of prospective wrestlers? And are things really as, as doom and gloom as people seem to make it be as it as it comes to the future of professional wrestling? I don't really think it's all doom and gloom, but I will say this. It's, it's certainly not like it used to be, and it's never going to be that way. With time, you have to, you have to learn how to adjust and change. And, and that happens with not just wrestling, but every sport, every business. You can't stay the same. You can't just stay in one place because times change, attitudes change, and new people come along. So I, while everybody wants to, wants to say I miss the good old days, well, as you get farther and farther away from those days, they become uh, you get a little jaded, I guess. I, I was just at the uh, Gulf Coast Re- uh, Wrestlers Reunion in Mobile over the weekend, and it's great seeing some of the, the old-timers that paved the way and, and uh, blazed the trail, so to speak. Uh, but at the same time, we all have to realize that time marches on. And one thing Vince McMahon and WWE is great at is not looking in the rearview mirror. Although, I do know we've had nostalgia acts, and I do know Hogan's back, and I do know that, and there's a time and a place for that. Uh, and, and WWE will use it to their advantage. And, and they should. But at the same time, you have to look to the future. And that's why... While I, while I do believe the Performance Center is a great, great place, I've, I've yet to actually see it in person and probably never will, but uh, I've seen pictures of it and I've talked to people who are there. 
it's it's a great facility, but in my opinion, you do need some grit. You do need a little dirt, and you do need a little um, uh, not so much pizzazz to to understand if you really want to be in this business or not. And uh, you know, I don't see the doom and gloom part of it. I just I see that maybe um, it could be a little too clean and pristine in the teaching and the training at this time. So um, the real learning and the real way you're going to uh, grasp what's going on is to get on the road and do it in an actual live event. And you have to do it for years. And some people are going to take to it a lot quicker than others, but it still takes years uh, before you're capable of, of actually understanding what the uh, what the method is that you need to follow, if that makes any sense at all. Doom and gloom, I don't see it. Um, I see there might be a down period, but at the same time, stocks are going through the roof. The network has just been on, what, two weeks now? Um, yeah. WrestleMania 30 is right around the corner. Things are about to pick up. Uh, you know, the momentum is, is in WWE's favor. And it's not everybody's cup of tea, no doubt, but at the same time, you have new people coming along all the time. And somebody's going to switch on and say, wow, this is cool. And uh, that's what WWE wants. They, they know that the older fans will be there. They know that the diehards will be there, even though we say, if you don't change, we're going to turn off the TV. Okay, well, somebody else will just turn it on. They're not that concerned. Uh, they're concerned if it, if it gets turned off in mass doses, but... I think WWE is in a good spot right now. They have um, they have a great facility. They have all the tools to be successful. Now, how they use those tools, we'll see. And and I once again, I just knowing the machine and being around the machine, there's no well, I can't say there's no way they can fail because there certainly is, but it is very unlikely WWE will fail. No. Now, when you broke in, of course, obviously you you broke in in a, a completely different way and different time period. How many matches did you have under your belt before you truly felt like you had a grasp of, of what wrestling was all about and and truly understood the whole concept of it? Well, uh, I remember since when I first broke in, uh, everybody kept saying you had to have at least five years experience before anybody would trust you in calling anything in the ring. <laughs> and uh, are you familiar with the book, The Outliers? No. Okay. Well, it talks about the 10,000-hour rule, and I don't know when it came out exactly, but I just I just became aware of it about three years ago. And it talks about, you know, the 10,000-hour rule. You have to do something at least 10,000 hours to be perfecting, to perfect it and, and, and get good at it. The Beatles, before they even came to the United States, they went to Germany and played, I think, five or seven years, I think it was, uh, night and day in a bar just so they could get experience and, and get good and get better and better and better. So they weren't overnight sensations. They went and they paid their dues, too. And that's what a lot of guys don't understand about wrestling today. In the territory days, you could work five, sometimes even seven nights a week, twice on Saturday, twice on Sunday, and after five years of doing that, either as a baby face and or a heel, you pretty much had an idea of what to do. You worked in front of different crowds. You worked in front of different places, uh, 
um, and you work with different people all the time. And that's how you learn. That's why if you look around and, and you look at the first WrestleMania, uh, Orndorff was a seasoned vet in the territories. Piper was a seasoned vet in territories. Bob Orton, Hogan. Uh, you know, you have some seasoned guys. And, and everybody that Vince took when he made his move in 85 were top guys in territories that had been around for a while. Um, so yeah, I think it was, again, the, the rule was five years, and that was working every night. And after five years, uh, I went back to Louisiana and uh, going through some stuff in my life, and Bill Watts asked me if I ever considered being a heel. And I thought, I actually said to him, yes, every day. And he gave me the opportunity to be a heel, and the heel leads a match as a general rule. Uh, and this way I got to set the tempo, I got to, to set the pace, and call what I wanted to call in the ring. And it felt so much more natural. And, I, and I, as, as my timing got better, um, I felt more confident. So after five years of working, uh, and mainly as a baby face, I, I had heels call things for me. I knew about laying back, uh, not, not rushing. And that's the biggest thing in, in wrestling today is timing, knowing when to do something, knowing when to stop, when not go too far, when to, when to be cut off, and uh, things like that. So it, it doesn't happen overnight, and you can't do it in one or two years, and you sure can't do it in, a, in an empty building. You have to do it in front of people. And, and the, the good part is you have time, but the bad part is that uh, you don't have that much time. You have to pick it up a lot quicker today than you did back, uh, back when they were territories. Some of the most booked indie guys out there, five years in, in your time coming up is probably at least ten or more in theirs, you know, when you're working every night of the week and, like say, twice on Saturday and Sunday where they do good to stay booked Friday, Saturday, and Sunday at best, you know. Well, some guys are working maybe once a month, and I get that. I, so I completely understand that. It, it's there's, it's almost next to impossible to do a schedule five nights a week, five nights a week, or six nights a week, seven nights a week. There's, it's next to impossible. So what WWE wants to do now is have a performance center where you're going to learn the WWE style, which, again, I, I would debate that. I don't think everybody want, should be a cookie cutter. Uh, everybody wrestles like this because then you're going to have cookie-cutter robots, and I don't think that will work. So it's catch-22. You have to have the experience, but there's no experience to be had unless you're at WWE Performance Center where you're going to be there from maybe 8 in the morning until 10 at night, and you're going to be wrestling promos, lifting and doing everything you can to, to learn your craft. And that's good and bad. Um, it's good because you're around it that long, but it's bad because fatigue sets in, and uh, you don't want to you don't want to get too uh, bogged down and uh, burn out. So you, the independent guys today they have it rougher than, than ever before because there's not any place you can go and make a living, uh, learn your craft, and be around veterans who really cared about the business enough to, to pass it on down. And I was very fortunate to be at the tail end of that, where guys so cared. Uh, you know, to show you and teach you and help you. Not everybody, but 
the majority of the guys I worked with uh, would at least help and explain things. And when you screwed up, you, uh, I got slapped up against you know my ear or something like that. But I learned. So uh, I don't know, man. It's 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 really difficult for for a guy trying to try and work five six nights a week um, and get experience. So it, it's. Uh, not for everybody, but I mean, there are places. I, I just talked to a kid yesterday. He emailed actually. He's working in England, and he's working. Uh, he worked eight times last week, twice on Saturday, three times on Sunday. Uh, so I mean, he, there, there are places you can go, but you just have to sacrifice. You have to go and find it, whether they're in Germany, uh, England, wherever it may be. And then that brings us back to where we started the conversation. Um, what makes these these training camps so important is is where on the Indies is our guys going to have the opportunity uh, to learn from a Tom Pritchard, Gerald Briscoe, Nigel McGinnis, Lance Storm, Les Thatcher, all together in a concentrated amount of time have that much knowledge at their disposal like they would at these things, which I guess hopefully supplements some of that lack of ring time that they, they can't make up for realistically. Right. And, uh, again, that's you're not going to learn everything in those four days, but you will learn something, and you'll also learn how to make contacts, and, uh, and, and you get yourself out there and be seen, and um, we'll, we'll give you pointers on how to do things like that. So, uh, once again, um, if you're, if you're looking to be – booked and, and you want to be consistent, uh, maybe the United States doesn't have it, but England does. And uh, Trent Beretta, as a matter of fact, one of our former developmental talents just went over last week and uh, is, is working in England, I think, for another week. So, you know, the guys who want to work and who really want to do it uh, will find a way. And... Um, you know, you have to dig and you have to ask questions and you have to be good and you have to get yourself out there. So it, it's simple. It's just not easy. We can tell you what to do. The rest is up to you to, to follow through with it and, and do what you need to do. So uh, uh, there will be a lot of information at the camp, too. But, but for the guys out there trying right now to work and, and get booked as much as possible, I feel your pain, but that's what the business is today. So... If, if you were recruiting for WWE right now, are there any any guys out there that's that's caught your eye recently that that you would bring in if if that were up to you? Uh, I got to tell you, I've been stuck here in Tennessee, and the, the scene in Tennessee is pretty horrendous. There's only one guy that I could probably even think of right off the top of my head. His name is The Rip, R I P, and uh, he's a good looking kid in shape, but. Um, as far as anybody else right now, uh, there, there's, some, there's some guys I've trained around here, but they're not ready. The rip would be the closest thing to be ready, but I, I haven't had a chance to see too many, too many independents or watch too many other matches uh, just because I've been wrapped up doing other things right now. So, not a lot out there, in my opinion. So, moving on from the... Uh... From the training camp, now you, you're going to be out seeing some independent shows uh, coming up. I know you've got some things coming up. Uh, for instance, I believe this weekend, 
Uh, you're going to be in Tunica, Mississippi at the Resorts Casino, and I believe you're going to be in the ring with Dangerous Doug Gilbert. Is that right? That is correct. And I think Friday we're in Henderson, Tennessee as well, which is right outside of Jackson. But uh, in Tunica, uh, big card with uh, Jerry Lawler and Sid Vicious. Um, and uh, Too Cool against Chase Stevens and his partner, I think, um, I name is Skate right now, but the Crimson, I think, is uh, Chase's partner this weekend, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Who was, uh, I forget what he was, what his name was on the Indies, but I think Crimson's what they called him in TNA, but anyway. Okay. Well, cool. Uh, uh, yeah, but I'm, we, we are working in Tunica. Uh, Saturday, I'm looking forward to it. It's been a long time since I've, uh, I've been around that part of the country, <laughs> that part of Tennessee, anyway. So, and then, of course, uh, and I'm in Jasper, Alabama, on the 5th of uh, April, which is right before WrestleMania. So, uh, looking forward to looking forward to doing that. I like, I enjoy doing some of these independent shows. I um, uh, I look forward to seeing. Uh, seeing what's out there, but when I see it, and it just, it's just the same thing. Guys will ask you if you watch a match, and then you watch the match and ask you what you saw. You tell them what, what you saw, and the next time you see them, they keep doing the same mistakes over and over again. So um, that, that's the whole deal. Guys, if somebody is telling you something, especially if you've asked them to watch and, and ask for advice, it would behoove you to uh, follow the advice next time. So, uh, but a lot of kids today don't don't get that, don't don't even understand that, especially around here in Tennessee. But even that as it may, don't don't let me get off the road too far. Uh, but I do have some other shots coming up. I have a camp, the, the camp in Charlotte, and then in uh, October I'm going to Germany for WXW uh, for ten days to do a camp over there as well. So. I'm staying busy, um, and I'm working on some other projects here too. And uh, it's 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 not a bad life right now. Now, April nineteenth, uh, you'll be coming to Sylacauga, Alabama, for LXW, and um, you've got an interesting match scheduled down there because you'll be taking on uh, Robert Gibson of the Rock and Roll Express, of course, somebody you're no stranger to because of all the all the battles between the Rock and Roll Express and the Heavenly Bodies that took place in Smoky Mountain. Uh, you looking forward to tying up with Robert Gibson again? I am. Uh, anytime I, need, I, I can get in the ring with Ricky or Robert, um, it's it's a it's a fun time, and uh, that's one of the reasons why I even took that match too. It's it's not far, and I'm, I'm wrestling Robert um, gives me a chance to beat him again, and. Uh, I always enjoy beating Robert like a drum. So, uh, no, yeah, it should be a lot of fun. It should be uh, – the Alabama crowd's always been great. So I, I like going to Alabama. I like um, – like I said, I like seeing old friends. And I like to having a good time. I'm looking forward to it. Well, you know, I would, I would think Alabama would be an integral part of your career, your time spent in Continental – Yeah, I, well, listen, man, Alabama was the uh, turning point in my career on a lot of things. It was um, was where I met my wife. It was where uh, I really got a chance to um, to be a heel after Louisiana. Uh, I broke my leg in 
in Louisville, actually, working with uh, Steve Kern and Stan Lane, who broke my ankle. And uh, uh, Sherry Martell and her roommate took care of me and gave me some doctor scrubs, and that's how I actually became a doctor in uh, in Alabama. So Alabama holds a lot of fond memories for me. Just, again, going on the outskirts of Birmingham this past weekend, was uh, it's always cool. I always get kind of nostalgic that drives through there. So um I had a great time, man. Great friends. The Armstrongs uh, still live in Pensacola, and uh, it was good times, man. Great times. And I would have to think, as you do these uh, fan fests and different conventions that you appear at, that uh, one of the questions you you probably get asked—I wouldn't say the most, but probably pretty high up there—would have to be about your your classic feud with the Dirty White Boy Tony Anthony that took place in Continental. Yeah, um, we do get asked that a lot, and uh, I'm, I'm actually working in a promotion here called TXW right outside of Knoxville that Tony Anthony is the general manager of, and uh, that was 1988 when his uh, no-good, filthy woman, uh, I was going to say rat, but I don't want to say rat, uh, she was a rap thing. Anyway, we, we did the angle in, in Birmingham in 1988, and uh, people still ask us about it. Uh, just That's the great thing about the South is the old-time wrestling fans will still remember stuff. If it, if it was good enough or it stuck in their memory enough, uh, they'll remember it and ask you about it. So, um, yeah, they asked us about it, asked how it came about, and uh, that, was, that was a cool thing. It was a real cool thing. At the time, especially, I didn't realize it was, uh, you know how sometimes you, 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 we didn't have script writers back then. We didn't script our interviews. We just kind of went off the cuff. And I didn't realize some of the stuff I said until I watched it back. And uh, so when you say you ought to see a rape crisis center, I didn't even think about that. And uh, yeah. a lot of people brought that to my attention. So, uh I think it was memorable because I was actually being hung, and there's no way to to work that when your hands are behind your back. And uh, exactly, yeah, I was being choked out, but I was doing it for the love of craft. Yeah, that's what I keep telling myself. But uh, uh, very edgy for its time, and I remember it made my little brother cry because he uh, he had the, the Dr. Tom Pritchard T-shirt, and was and we were both big fans. And uh, yeah, he was he was crying because, like you said. I mean, you got your hands handcuffed behind you. I mean, you're you're seeing you get hanged right there on television. And uh, like I say, for a 1988, it was very edgy. Well, I'm going to tell you, I mean, those are the kind of angles I watched as a kid, too, that, that made me get emotionally involved, even while everybody else around me was telling me wrestling was, was fake. And wrestling was never fake. It may have been pretty determined, but what I found out, especially when I when I actually got in it, is, it's more real than a lot of people think, especially backstage and especially when you're going out to the ring. Um, you can't defy gravity when somebody's coming off top rope. You can't. There's, it's as real as it gets when you fall down on the mat. And while there may be some give, you do that seven nights a week on, on different mats, different rings. Not every ring's the same, and not every ring was, was always the best in the world. But, but to get somebody involved emotionally, even when there was a doubt that, that it was what you were seeing might have been on the up and up, let's say, 
the actual act that was going on was real, and uh, that that was what we were going after. We were going after emotion and, and feeling, and and for the most part, we got it. And uh, that's what that's what I remember most about watching the funks growing up in, te- in West Texas and watching guys like the Infernos and uh, J.C. Dykes, the Von Brauners, and Saul Weingroff and all these all these great vicious heel tag teams. Uh, Johnny Valentine, Wild McDaniel. So I was just trying to. We, uh, Tony and I both uh, you know, grew up as wrestling fans and saw just saw some crazy, crazy stuff uh, growing up and, and got us emotionally involved. Are you familiar with the Wright brothers, Don and Ron Wright from Tennessee? They were they were a little before my time, but I have studied on them. I've watched you know what a little bit of footage there is, and I've read a lot. Well. Just as an example, they used to have something called the chisel. Have you ever heard of the chisel? Well, the chisel was like brass knuckles, only it was sharpened. It was a sharpened razor blade on the on the uh, uh, outside of it, and it would actually hit hit your opponent, hit their opponent in the forehead with it the hard way. And uh, there's nothing you could really do about it because they they liked it just as much as they gave it. So. And they took it just as much as they gave it. Uh, and those are the kind of guys that we watched. I didn't, I didn't get to see Ron and Don in their prime, but I've seen tapes. And uh, that's the kind of crazy stuff that, that you could get away with in the South back then. But now times have changed. We have to be PG and politically correct. And if you stiff somebody, they'll call the cops in some places, apparently. Oh, my God, yes. What a crazy – oh, man. You know, <laughs> steel horse, man. So everybody who's anybody in wrestling passed through Memphis, and you were part of the big Tennessee versus Texas angle, which I know you had been in there some before, but that was the, you know, the the big angle that you were a part of. Was it? I mean, did you feel like was there a bit of accomplishment being there and feeling like you were part of a, a rich history of wrestling, or was it just kind of another territory that that didn't pay so great? Uh, well, it was for it wasn't just it was the territory that didn't pay so great, but you no, know, it was it was kind of cool being in there when we were actually doing the angle. Uh, even though I know I'm not stupid, people will say it wasn't drawing when Eric Henry was booking it, but I'll beg to differ. When we worked with the Moon Dogs, it was drawing, and uh, there were times that it did draw. And times like anything, like anything else, man, uh, it was it was kind of cool because. By that time in my career, when we were doing Texas versus Tennessee, I was getting a little more confident in being a hero. And I never, especially in Memphis, I, I never expected, anticipated, or even cared about going to New York, going to WWE at that time. I was always told, no, no, not interested, never going to make it, never going to be there. Just so I, I resigned, reserved, and re- resigned myself, I guess, to uh, either working in Memphis or just working other places. Uh, so, I mean, I was glad that we were able to be uh, involved and um, and doing some, we were doing decent business. It wasn't horrible. And Jeff was just coming up, too. I was working a lot with Jeff. And, uh, yeah, I thought we had good matches. And Jeff, and Jeff, Jarrett, and Brian Armstrong have to be two of my favorite people to work with uh, just because we had that chemistry. You could go in the ring with some guys and, it just clicked, and that was what it was with Jeff. So, um, 
Memphis was a fun territory, especially when we got to go to Dallas because uh, we rode the tour bus. It was a very cool tour bus. I think it was Waylon Jennings' old tour bus. And uh, we'd, we'd meet at the parking lot Thursday night after the show, and the bus driver would drive all night, and we'd be in the in the back uh, singing choir songs and uh, hymns <laughs> and things like that, and, and, and having gospel music. So uh, we... You know, we had a good time when we get there, and the baby faces go work out, and he'll sleep all day, and you know, things like that. So, so that was kind of cool, actually, going from a spot show uh, Thursday night and winding up in Dallas the next morning, and uh, work Dallas Friday night. Sometimes we stay over and do a Saturday show. So, I mean, um, Memphis could be a great territory if it just paid, but it didn't. And, and notorious for that from from everyone I've ever ever spoke with about it. <laughs> they, yeah, they speak yeah, only about yeah. the memories, but not the not the pay. Yeah, very true. Now jumping back real quick, we we talked about uh, the Rock and Roll Express and Heavenly Bodies feud, which was huge in Smoky Mountain. And I may be correct me if I'm wrong, but I would have to think uh, you guys did something that was pretty unique at the time. I don't really know that it was done after that, wherein uh, the Heavenly Bodies versus Rock and Roll Express was featured on a WCW pay-per-view, Super Brawl, and then in the same calendar year, just a few months later, the yeah, hardly at all. That's happened much uh, since then, as far as like within the same year, the same four guys wrestling, you know. Yeah, I, I lost you there a little bit, but I think what you were saying was uh, we, we wrestled for WCW, I think, in July. Uh, yeah, the Squall Brawl, and then we went to uh, SummerSlam the very next month. You kind of broke up on me there, but uh, oh, okay. that's what happened. Yeah, uh, and, and the reason that did happen was uh, Jimmy Cornette was obviously talking to Bill Watts when we had an angle worked out there, but uh, even before we did that, uh, WWE had called and asked if we'd be interested in working with the Steiners at SummerSlam. And, of course, we would, and we did. And uh, it was kind of cool to do that, too. But we knew, uh, we had a feeling that uh, the reason they wanted to take the Heavenly Bodies is because they really wanted Cornette to manage Yokozuna, which was okay with us. I mean, take it with me. I'm okay with me. I don't know how Jimmy felt about it. Uh, I think we were both okay with it. Just as long as we got up there and we, we got our foot in the door. But once again, uh, you know, going to New York was, was kind of a blessing in disguise and a curse at the same time because I just, uh, my mind wasn't right and I wasn't uh, in any mood to, I wasn't in any mood to play games. And if you're going to go to a place like WWE, it is a game. And we told everybody in developmental, this is a game. You have to understand. It's, uh, it's not, it's business. It's not, it's not always the best guy gets the best shots. You, you have to make your shots. You have to make your way. And uh, it's, it's, you don't get paid what you're worth. You get paid what you make them think you're worth. And, and that's, that's, the, that's the idea. Um, so I don't fault anybody for going in and, and convincing Vince uh, or anyone else to hire them and pay them more money than they're worth because they convince Vince they're worth it, so they're worth it. And, um, we didn't do that, <laughs> so we got paid what, what he thought we were worth. 
and uh, that was okay with us too because we were we were treated okay. I thought we just could have been more advocated uh, advocate things for ourselves. We might have been better off. How was it working with the Steiner brothers back then? They they looked at times that a lot of it could be pretty pretty rough, or at least that's how it appeared. Well, uh, that was a good thing about the Steiners. They were professionals in every way, and uh, Rick and Scott were both two big guys that that were very capable, um, but they were very business. I mean, there was a, the only thing I, I don't understand how somebody could just take advantage uh, without having a uh, an upside to it, and there was no upside for us to, to go in there, and there was no upside for them. Uh, to manhandle us and uh, not be business. There's nothing we could do about it if they, if they wanted just to go off track and do what they wanted to do. There was nothing we could do about it, but it would make them look like shit, and they were in their hometown, and uh, we were there to make them look good, and, and it was great. But, they, no, they were fine. Every time we worked with them, they were uh, all business. They even brought their dog. We, we did a series with them in... Uh, Tennessee around Knoxville for Smoky Mountain and they had their dog at ringside and the dog was uh, a pit bull and even at ringside you know I'm, I like dogs no problem Jimmy was scared of dogs but the dog chased us and I turned around and the dog was right there and nipped at my uh, below the belt mm-hmm. and uh, he didn't he didn't get me but I sold it like he got me because it was so close and it was great the dog was working you know, while we're working back with the dog. Thank God he was working because he could kill me. But, no, the Steiners were great, man. They they were uh, they were very cool. Now, something I've, I've always wanted to ask you is I've heard Jim Cornette talk about this, but I, in, in none of the interviews I've ever seen or heard with you have I heard it mentioned, and maybe it has, but um, I know Jim Cornette said in an interview that when Dennis Condry walked out of the Midnight Express, and I guess it was 87, um, that his first choice to replace him then uh, was Dr. Tom Pritchard, that he would have liked to have had Beautiful Bobby and Tom Pritchard as the Midnight Express, but they already had Stan Lane from the Florida acquisition and put Stan Lane uh, in the spot. Is that something you were made aware of at that time? or uh, Yeah, how would you actually, have uh, yeah I, was, I was in a spot show in Alabama, and Adrian Street came up to me and said, hey, Jim Cornette's been trying to get a hold of you. He called, he called Adrian. I think it was one of those uh, loops that we were staying over, and I wasn't going to be home for a couple of days. And we didn't have cell phones back then. And right. uh, he said that Jimmy had been trying to get a hold of me. But uh, by the time Monday came around, Stan was already, already called up. And Dusty Rhodes was booking at that time, so I had a chance to ask the um, American Dream about that when we were working in developmental. Uh, and Dusty, again, you know, is, is well, for everything people say about Dusty Rhodes, I had the opportunity to work with him for five years in a close quarters, close proximity. And you, <laughs> I came to appreciate and love this guy so much, and not, not everybody does, and I understand why, because he's, he's the American dream, but, but that's why I love him so much, because he is the American dream. There's no, there's no off switch with him. He's compassionate, caring, he, he's, he's, he's warm and charming, and, and he's condescending and arrogant and, and nasty all at the same time, but he wants to be. He knows how to just, he knows what mood to fit, and, and he was great, and, and I asked him about that, and he says, oh, no, no, 
That was Jimmy Cornette who wanted to want to send me. I, I, I begged for you. I told you to come here. You know, so so it was a running joke there for a long time. But but I do remember Jimmy telling me about that. Um, and it was just one of those things. At the time, was uh, the stars it weren't aligned and it wasn't meant to be. But eventually, you know, I did get to work with Stan and, and Jimmy as a you know as the heavenly bodies. And, and it's just funny how how stuff like that does work out. Uh, because I don't know that I would have been ready for it then either. You know, there was uh, a lot of things that that happened <laughs> to, to, throughout my career that I just I just sabotaged myself so many times, and um, you know, I'm, I have no one to blame but myself on, on a lot of things. But I think things worked out the way they were supposed to, and um, and I don't know if it was for the better or not, but I have no complaints. Well, yeah, like you say, it's not like. Uh not like you didn't accomplish anything after that and you lost your big chance so uh no no harm done but it would have been interesting to to see what direction it went and uh Stan Lane's one of those unique guys to have been a part of three really well-known uh accomplished tag teams that'll go down in history you know as three of the best tag teams in wrestling the fabulous ones the Midnight Express and the Heavenly Bodies uh, for him to have been a part of all three of them uh, there aren't a lot of guys who's who's been that successful in, in three separate teams like that. And, and you know what? I thinking about that, it was Stan who was the uh, the constant in there. Um, you know, Bobby and Dennis, I thought were a tremendous team. But when you brought Stan in, I, and everybody has their critics, and everybody can be uh, uh, hypercritical at all times. But Stan backstage and in you know, out of the ring was, was really an engaging guy who would get along with pretty much anybody, and you wanted to be around him. He was that charismatic uh, entity, if you will, who just walking in the dressing room, he had something funny or smart or witty to say and, uh, and, and make, the, make the room you know, light up. Uh, and, and, you know, with the fabulous ones, uh, so I was fortunate enough to see he, he and Stan, he and Steve, work in Memphis when they were on fire. And, uh, you know, that was that, that chemistry. So for him to be able to, to go from the Fabulous Ones into the Midnight Express and have that much success, um, I think it speaks volume for, for his talent and, uh, you know, a lot about the guy's personality and, and character as well. I wish the Heavenly Bodies had as, as great a success as the Fabs and the Midnights, but uh, I think that that run, uh, again, it was just meant to be the way it was. Yeah, but I mean, like I say, you guys, uh, you know, made a name for yourself, and uh, I think had there been a place at the time to excel, you know, there there would have been more more done with it. But you know, like you said, everything just kind of fell the way it did. But um, yeah, I think Stan's underrated. Like you said, uh, you know, probably doesn't get as much credit as as he deserves as as far as his the part he played in all those teams, but. Um, what was, I mean, you were part, you, you tagged with Stan, you tagged with, uh, Jimmy Del Rey, uh, you tagged with Candido, of course, as, as the body Donna's, and I know you've talked about that to your blue in the face, and we won't even, we won't even go into that, because there's so many other places people can hear about that, but how would yeah. you compare those three, um, as tag team partners, not necessarily good or bad or whatever, just a comparison of what it was like to team with each one compared to the other. Well, Stan was, again, uh, I, I really feel this way, and Michael Hayes said it many times, you have to get along with your partners outside the ring to 
to be able to make a tell inside the ring. I don't necessarily, I didn't, let me take it back. I didn't necessarily agree with that, but uh, but I, looking back on it, I think that is the case. Uh, Michael and Terry Gordy were great friends outside the ring. They were brothers. They could, they could really read each other what was going to happen in the ring, and that's, that's important as well. Stan was so easygoing at that time of his life, and... Uh, uh, again, just the, the guy who, when he walked in the room, he he, he was uh, always had something to say, witty, and lit up the room. Uh, and I got along with Stan well, outside the ring and inside the ring. I could kind of read what he was doing, and uh, there was no miscommunications. Jimmy Del Rey came in, and Jimmy's got a different personality. I thought we worked well inside the ring, but once we got, a, got away from the ring, we were two different people. And uh, it's just Jimmy like doing his thing, I like doing my thing. And when we mixed them, uh, I became really another guy. He became another guy, and it was like, you know what, man? Why don't you go your way, and I'll go my way, and we'll be at the building. And that's kind of what we did. And, and that, again, and we worked well in the ring, but we never really uh, weren't involved in anything together except for the Steiner Brothers and maybe the Smoking Guns. But after that, it was pretty much Bushwhacker City for us. And, you know, that was it. Candido uh, was a great kid, and I've known him for a long time. When he came to WWE with Tammy, you know, they were both young, and Tammy, of course, was Tammy, and she knew she was young and hot, and everybody was looking at her. She was very well aware of it. And so was Chris. And uh, it doesn't make for a happy life when you have your wife on the road with you anyway. Uh, when you have your, she wasn't his wife yet, but it was his girlfriend, city girlfriend, same thing. Yeah. Uh, excuse me. When you have your girlfriend like that on the road and she's flaunting it in front of everyone and you're right there when she's doing it and you don't speak up, you lose all respect. And um, I talked to Chris one time about it, and he got very upset. So I said, okay, I'll wash my hands. Uh, it's your deal, not mine. So I love Chris, and we worked well together in the ring, and uh, the only issue was don't bring your girl with you on the road if your girl's going to be like that on the road. So, you know, we, those, those are the things that Chris, you know, just, he, he had a burden. He had a lot of stuff on his mind. He had a lot of stuff on his uh, chest. And he tried to blow it off, but it just, uh, everywhere he looked, it was, it was hitting him. You know, Tammy was Tammy. And, uh, you know, that, that's the best comparison I can give you between those three guys. Stan was great to be around, you know, inside and out of the ring. Jimmy was great. In the ring, outside, we were two different guys. And uh, Chris and I, uh, we got along great, but there was that issue of uh, you need to handle your business and if you're not then alright so be it well considering though who the people were that she was involved with do you, I mean you think it was was it more of a matter that he feared for his job if he did speak up or just that he just didn't want to rock I, it could have been could have been a little of, of everything it could be a matter of uh, the job but I mean it could be a matter it was it was really I, I think he knew, but he didn't want to know. Yeah. And uh, it was it was a pretty it was a pretty heavy time for a lot of people. And 
uh, you know, I was trying to just keep my head down and keep going and, and not say anything, but Chris was, was speaking up at times, you know, the antibiotics in, in his office one time and um, said he had a great idea for us. He was going to take Tammy away and put us with a transvestite and make us baby faces. Uh, yeah, okay. Well, I, I'm not going to say anything because, once again, I was just happy to have a job. And you can't just be happy to have a job there. You can't. Although I did because I was, uh, anyway, that's, that's another story all of itself. But Chris said, that's, most, that's the stupidest idea I've ever heard in my life. And it was. It was a stupid idea because we knew, and I knew, you're burying us. You're, you're going to make us baby faces. You're taking away the hottest girl in the company. The only girl, I think, at that time in the company. Or well, maybe there was a couple others. But she knew she was hot. Everybody knew she was hot. And she was. I think at that time she was the most downloaded girl on AOL or something like that on the Internet. Uh, and put us with a transvestite. And we're going to be baby faces. Well, that's going to get over. Yeah, right. So... It was stupid. It was ridiculous. But, um, I mean, that's kind of what it came down to. It came down to, first it came down to me cutting my hair and dyeing it blonde, which I really didn't want to do, but it was either that or no job. And I said, okay, great. And I could not get comfortable in that haircut, man. To this day, I can't wear a crew cut. I won't wear a crew cut. I, I just, it's not me. And, uh, being a body Donna was, and Chris was digging it, but he wasn't digging it with, with all the baggage he had, you know. So whether it was fear for the job or just, uh, you know, he didn't want to say anything or just didn't care. I don't know. I knew he cared, but I just don't think he knew how to handle it. Yeah, well, transvestite yeah. and good idea never belong in the same sentence. You just, you, no. you know, no. you're in trouble when they start pitching that. Yeah. But, yeah, I remember uh, it, it took a minute to sink in, uh with that haircut that that was you. It wasn't one of those things like where somebody comes out with a new gimmick and they go, oh, well, that's so-and-so. You know, it took a little bit, and you're like, oh, crap. Wow, that's Tom Pritchard. Holy crap, I've never seen him with no, you know, short hair before. Yeah. It was. Can you only see me short hair again? Yeah, not if I can help it. So, I mean, that, and that was that was the thing, man. It was like, uh, uh, you know, I, know why, I know why it was done. I get it. I understand it. But at the same time, it was... Uh, uh, yeah, that's that's another story for another day too. Uh, but it was a rib almost, and not almost. It was a rib. Period. It was a rib. If I do it, and I did it. So, and they'll they'll say all day long, "Well, we gave you a, a job and an opportunity," and they did. Like, I'm grateful for it. But uh, we could have done something else. I thought, but we didn't. And I didn't speak up. I was just again happy to have a job, and I thought teaming with Chris would be great. Uh, but I knew it wouldn't be. Back in my head. Yeah, well, executed differently, it certainly had its potential. But like you say, you, you strip away, you know, Sonny out of the deal and put you with the transvestite and put you in, in the matches they did. It was, it was pretty much. Yeah, we weren't, we weren't, we weren't going to be figured in no matter what. I, I pretty much had an idea that was uh, that wasn't going to happen. So, right. Well, man, I don't want to take up too much of your time, but I appreciate you coming on the show, and I appreciate everything you've done and continue to do for the sport of professional wrestling and 
Like we said earlier, uh, for your fans out there that want to see you, we got Henderson, Tennessee, and Tunica, Mississippi this weekend. Uh, April 5th is Jasper, Alabama. April 19th, we've got uh, Silicaga LXW Show in Silicaga, Alabama. And then coming up in August, the uh, Future Legends Training Camp with you and Gerald Briscoe, Nigel McGinnis, Lance Storm, Les Thatcher, and again, uh, midatlanticlegends.com is where people go to be a part of that. And uh, I'm sure a lot more will be coming up. So uh, where can people go to uh, keep track of you and find out what you got going on or contact you or what have you? Well, I am on Twitter at Dr. Tom Pritchard uh, as well, and I have a website, drtompritchard.com, where I try to put up uh, as many appearances as possible. Uh, I'm on Facebook, too, at Tom Pritchard. Uh, so people can, uh, can find me all over social media. I'm really, I'm still a dinosaur when it comes to this stuff, but uh, I'm trying to learn. I use Facebook mainly as just a way to uh, get things out there, so... Um, and Twitter the same way, but uh, drtompritchard.com on the internet, and I'm, I'm in the process of writing a new column right now, and uh, trying to get it up as soon as I can. Yes, I love those columns. I, I meant to, I'm glad you said that because I meant to mention that uh, your blogs, uh, very good stuff. I mean, they're 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 both entertaining, but they're also informative. I mean, they're I mean they're good for fans to read, but also guys, the young guys in the business that are learning. Uh, there's a lot of good stuff there. And I always make sure to to read them as soon as they come up. So everybody should really keep track of that for sure. Well, I appreciate it. And I also have T-shirts and my uh, curriculum on sale there as well. So you can check it out and uh, see what you like. Awesome. All right. Well, we'll make sure everybody goes checks that out. And, again, uh, Tom, I sure appreciate you being on the show. And uh hope you have a great week. You too. Anytime, Gina. I appreciate it. And I'll see you in Charlotte. All right. Take care. Bye. All right, so there it was, my interview with Dr. Tom Pritchard. I uh, really enjoyed that, and I appreciate Dr. Tom coming on the show with us. And now all that's left to do is just hit a few plugs here at the end of the show. Uh, don't forget, as always, WrestlingNewsCenter.com, one of the premier sponsors of the Locals to Legends Wrestling Radio. Uh, check out WrestlingNewsCenter.com daily for news stories, results, columns, upcoming events, and much, much more. Everything you need to keep informed about the world of professional wrestling, WrestlingNewsCenter.com. Bomberware, one of our new sponsors, Bomberware, maker of high-quality pro wrestling gear made by none other than the Bomber Jack Lord. Tights, trunks, singlets, masks, you name it, and Jack Lord can make it happen for you. Really, really good, high-quality work. I, I really just can't put it over enough. A uh, great guy who does great work. And if you want to get in touch with Jack about uh, perhaps getting you some gear made, his email is bomberjacklord at gmail.com, or you can look him up at Facebook, facebook.com slash bomberjacklord. So hit him up today, Bomberware, and, uh, hey, if you can't work like a pro, you can at least look like one. Get in touch with Jack today, and he can fix you up. Pro South Wrestling, Piedmont, Alabama. Pro South has their big redemption show. Uh, Redemption is a yearly event, and this year's event takes place March 21st, 627 Southern Avenue in Piedmont, Alabama. The doors open at 6 p.m. Bell time is 7 p.m. Tickets are only eight bucks. First come, first serve. So be there early. <clears throat> kids four and under get in free. Uh, it's a family show. Uh, you can take your kids there. You don't have to worry about any foul language, any 
any extreme violence, uh, but this one's going to be a good one. It's going to be the heavyweight title is going to be in the line in the main event, Pro South champion Big Tomb, uh, with his manager, myself, Gene Jackson, and he's going to be defending against the number one contender and Total Justice member Scott Spade. Uh, following that, there's going to be a big grudge match. Uh, these guys have, have been going at it for a while now, and they're going to try to get this settled at Redemption. It's going to be Total Justice member Last Hero, Ace Haven, and, of course, he'll be accompanied by Amy Haven, and they're going to be taking on Britt Jackson, of course, and that's my nephew, and I will be accompanying him to ringside as well. Uh, another part of that event that uh, I'm excited about is it's going to be Pro, Res- Pro South Wrestling's first annual Draw to Brawl, which is uh, similar, I guess, to what you'd call a battle bowl in other places, but it's going to be 16 wrestlers going to be drawn into four tag team matches at random. Uh, the winners of those tag team matches will advance to an eight-man over-the-top rope battle royal. Now, here's where it gets really unique, though it stands out from Battle Bowl, because once this eight-man over-the-top battle royal uh, with all these random tag team winners takes place, the last two men remaining in the ring will become the new tag team champions. Uh, now, in the interest of fairness, to at least give the tag team cha- the Cummins Creek team champions Chris McCain and uh, Donnie Primetime a, a fighting chance, uh, they will not be drawn at random. They will automatically go straight into uh, the, the tag team matches as a tag team. But everyone else will be drawn at random. Uh, some of the other participants will be Damian Serratone, James Hardy, Eli Daniels, Frankie Valentine, Chris Gans, Lamar Phillips, Scott Aries, Jed Johnson, Scholar Shields, C.J. Awesome, and four more participants to be named later. So be sure and check that out. March 21st, Piedmont, Alabama, at the Pro South Arena. It's Redemption 2014. Another show coming up, XOW, Extreme Outlaw Wrestling, will be at the Marshall County Fairgrounds in Holly Springs, Mississippi, on Saturday, March the 29th. Going to be an 8 o'clock bell time so far. Signed for that card is going to be the Soul Taker, Bad Attitude, Tony Dabbs, Megastar Memphis Monroe, Chris Stiles, and many more to be named soon. So don't forget, Saturday, March the 29th, Marshall County Fairgrounds in Holly Springs, Mississippi, XOW returns. Then the big event that we talked to Dr. Tom Pritchard about coming up Saturday night, April 19th, LXW, League of Extraordinary Wrestlers presents Thunder Mania at J. Craig Smith Community Center in Sylacauga, Alabama. Going to be eight huge matches. Bell time is going to be 7 o'clock. The card as it stands right now, main event number one, there's going to be a TLC match, tables, ladders, and chairs to unify the IWA Deep South Championship and the LXW Intergalactic Championship. You're going to see Spider Boudreaux taking on the Angel of Death, John Rare, taking on John Wayne Murdoch, taking on Josh Crow taking on Suicidal Beast Bryant Woods. So that one's going to be a crazy, crazy match, and the winner of that one's going to come out with both championships, both the IBA Deep South and the LXW Championship. So that's going to be exciting. Uh, then there's also going to be a, gaunt- a tag team gauntlet match to crown the first ever LXW Double Burger Tag Team Champions. Uh, amongst the entries in that will be the Uber Mission, I don't know if I say that right, I don't know, but the Uber Mission members, Otis and Death Row, the Burke County Boys, Hardcore Terry Houston and Pork Chop Cash Jr., Super Brown is going to be tagging up with Steve Pleasing with Constance, $5 Wrestling's Jeff the Hitman Hart will be tagging up with Cowboy Jimmy, and he'll be accompanied by Big Country, 
Cowboy Dusty McWilliams is going to team up with Cornbread. Johnny 8-Ball will be tagging up with Little Donnie. And then the Scruffling Hillbillies, Mountain Man and Cousin Elmer, uh, one of which Mountain Man is 7 feet tall and over 400 pounds. So you got to think they have an advantage in the gauntlet match. Then there's going to be a big tag team match, a uh, grudge match even. The $5 wrestling superstar Freight Train is going to team with the Red Solo Cup, and they're going to be taking on $5 Wrestling's heavyweight champion Big Donnie and his new tag team partner, Megastar Memphis Monroe, who I'm told are collectively calling themselves the Burke County Megastars. So that should be a very interesting tag match. Then in a triple threat match, you're going to see Action Mike Jackson taking on the New Age superstar Joe Hogan taking on the Ultimate Dragon three-way match. Uh, You'll see... One half of the Rock and Roll Express, Robert Gibson, taking on uh, the man who we spoke to earlier in this, in this podcast, Dr. Tom Pritchard. And Tom Pritchard is going to be accompanied by the Rock and Roll RPM, Alan Martin. So we'll see if Alan Martin plays a factor. But like I talked about with Dr. Tom, uh, Robert Gibson and Tom Pritchard, no strangers to each other because, I mean, literally hundreds of battles between the Rock and Roll Express and the Heavenly Bodies back in Smoky Mountain Wrestling. So that should be a good one. Uh, Also in action, you're going to see Hollywood Kyle Bakula with Derek Bischoff, uh, WWE Hall of Famer Bullet Bob Armstrong, Caden Sade, Charles Alexander. Uh, There's going to be some Chikara stars that are going to be signed here soon, Um, a special musical performance by the Demon, and much more. So this is going to be a big event. You don't want to miss it. Uh, Tickets are going to be $12 at the door, but if you get them now in advance, they're only $10. Uh, you can go to lxwwrestling.com to get those advanced tickets now. Kids 5 and under will be free. Uh, I believe this one's going to sell out, folks. You probably want to go ahead now, get on there, and buy those tickets in advance. LXW Thunder Mania, Saturday, April 19, 2014, at the J. Craig Smith Community Center in Sylacauga, Alabama. And that's it for today's edition. I appreciate everybody listening. I should have an announcement coming up in the next few days on who our next guest is going to be. And, uh... Make sure to share the link, and if you like the show, pass it around. And talk to Jumpin' Jeff Farmer. Let's go now to that interview. Folks, there's Jumpin' Jeff Farmer. Jeff, a while back, what a match you had with Motley. Yep. Probably the hardest match I ever had in my life. But I don't like it when things aren't my, going my way. Motley Cruz, you turn the tables on me. You turn the tables in a wrong way. You've got me mad now. I've stood around, I've listened to everything you had to say. I've did everything necessary. But when you turn around and you backstab me one way or another, and you cheat me out of what's rightfully mine, that's when I get angry. 
Now I'm the one doing the challenging. I'm issuing a challenge to you, Motley Cruz. Get in the ring with me. This time, I'm going full force. Jumping Jeff Farmer. Now let's go to the ring. 